Hi, this is Randy Landry, and this is June the 17th, and this is my 84th podcast on Common Sense and Ramblings in America. <clears throat> and today, I am going to read um, chapters um, 10 and 11 from my third book. Um, chapter 10 will be entitled, My Experiences as a Relief House Supervisor and Charge Nurse. Alright, to break up the work of being a floor nurse in critical care, I opted to do relief work as both a charge nurse and a house supervisor. Since I'd already been a clinical supervisor during relief work as a charge nurse did little for my resume. It was mainly for a change of pace, and let's be honest, it was easy work. The supervisor position, on the other hand, was all about improving my resume and learning more about the workings of my hospital. As a relief charge nurse, my duties were pretty simple, mainly just keep the ship from sinking. Most nurse managers have little expectations from their high relief staff, which is a good thing because I frequently found that I was overseeing two floors because they were short that often. I remember how I said that um, they never truly recovered from firing all those clinical supervisors. Well, now you have anecdotal evidence of my claim. Our basic duties were just keeping the patient safe and making sure that the nurses did not make any lethal mistakes. Boy, we certainly do lower the bar, don't we? I also set up the schedule for the day team. Yep, that is it. House supervisor work was a bit more demanding, and the biggest task I had was to keep patients moving from the ER to their appropriate units and keeping the doctors from killing each other, lol. You would be surprised how outspoken surgeons can become when it involves surgery slots in the ORs. Surgeons like to push other doctors out of their OR slot so they can get done earlier at work. They always wanted me to do their dirty work, but I was having none of it. I made them slug it out among themselves. I told them that I was not getting in the middle of their fights. I was also the chief bottle washer, so to speak, which means I did anything that was needed to keep the hospital running at night. This meant that I ran around the hospital getting supplies for the various units, getting food for patients since the cafeteria closed at 7 p.m. and other glamorous duties like that. I was also responsible for replenishing crash carts that were used from codes on the floors. I started hard to get IVs on the nursing floors and responded to all codes throughout the hospital. I was responsible for any direct admits and transfers that took place at night. My final job was completing all the nursing staffing for the floors and the ER for the day shift. By the end of the shift, I think I walked a thousand miles. It sounds worse than it was. Many nights went pretty smoothly. The problem arose when I had no beds available on the floors and I had to wait for discharges. This really became a problem, especially when the ER was full. Oh, by the way, I had to coordinate housekeeping and make sure they were cleaning the appropriate rooms first. I usually picked up 10 or so shifts a year doing house supervisor work. That is until the CNO refused to guarantee me my days. When I started doing the job, I told him that he had to guarantee that he would not cut my shifts later in the week. That is, if I worked three days on the floor and one extra supervisor, I'd be guaranteed four days. He readily agreed to my terms as they were totally reasonable. And after five years of doing this, following his agreement, he changed his mind and started cutting my shifts. After being screwed a couple weeks, I stopped doing relief work, not only for the house supervisor, but relief charge as well. Boy, I can tell you that they were not happy with me. He refused to change his mind, and I stuck to my guns. So that ended my relief work career. It took them a year before they finally, before they were finally able to find a permanent replacement for me. You would have thought that the CNO would have given in, but he was just too pig-headed to admit that he was in the wrong. He's retired now, so I can use the, what terms I want to describe him. You may ask why I was also being so hard-headed. Well, the answer was that I had to work 
five and even six days a week just to get my 36 hours because they would send me home to save hours. If you ever work night shifts, you will know how much a pain that is. In the day, you can always do something because it really doesn't matter. It doesn't affect your sleep. What a pain when you slept a whole day to get canceled at the last minute or sent home a few hours after you went into work because the census was too low. Now you are finally getting the picture. Even though I have mentioned this individual in my first book, I want to bring him up again in this one as well. He is just that special. He was instrumental in my getting my current position of employment. Of that, I will be eternally grateful. Hopefully, I can in some way repay him in the future. His name was Sal, and he was a mentor of mine. He oriented me to the house supervisor position. This man also is a true professional in every sense of the word. I have known him for close to 10 years. During his time, I have never seen him lose his temper or raise his voice. He has always been helpful and gives amazing advice. It has been an honor working with him all these years, and he will be sorely missed. Well, that concludes this chapter. In just a moment, I will transition to the next one. Chapter 11, My Life as an Intensive Care Nurse. Most people are familiar with what an intensive care unit or ICU nurse does, but I don't like to assume or take anything for granted, so I will spend a little time defining and discussing what their duties are. The following description and details about ICU nurses was provided for by the website IncredibleHealth.com. ICU nurses or critical care nurses are highly specialized and trained healthcare professional personnel who provide nursing care to patients with life-threatening illnesses or conditions. They provide specialized experience, knowledge, and skills that patients need to survive or de-escalate care. ICU nurses are trained to make split-second decisions and act quickly when a patient's status changes. Their primary work environment in the hospital is in the specialized care units. Typically, ICU patients need a high-level care and most of them are admitted to the hospital. ICU nurses work in challenging and complex fields in their nursing profession. They have the primary duty to provide life-saving care to patients fighting for their lives. They are highly trained to provide exceptional care for patients who depend on 24-7 nursing care. A patient in ICUs is often ventilated intubated and can be on several life-saving machines and medications. ICU nurses are at the top of their game and well-versed with all aspects of specialized care to restore their patients' health and wellness. Some of the specific responsibilities of ICU nurses include evaluating and monitoring a patient's progress and identification of any sudden or subtle changes in the patient's medical condition administering medications intravenously by injection or via gastric tubes, delivering regular updates of patients' progress to doctors, patients, and their families, performing approved diagnostic or therapeutic procedures according to the patient's clinical status, responding to health emergencies when called upon and alert appropriate doctors, evaluating patients' laboratory data and vital signs to determine emergency intervention needs, caring for patients' needs throughout their recovery journey in ICU, advocating for patients and family needs, providing emotional support to patients and their families, setting up and monitoring medical equipment and devices like medical ventilators, oxygen delivery devices, transducers, and pressure lines, assessing patient pain levels and sedation requirements, maintaining patient records. The following are different types of critical care nurses, post-operative care unit ICU nurses, pediatric ICU nurses, emergency room nurses, neonatal ICU nurses, cardiac care ICU nurses, cardiothoracic ICU nurses. I hope this brief description has helped to clear up any confusion that there might have been or answered any questions that the reader may have had on not only on who ICU nurses are, but what they do. Depending on the level of care required by the patient in the ICU, you can have a three to one ratio of the ICU nurse caring for three patients or one to two, 
where the patient requires two ICU nurses to care for them, usually in the case of a fresh open heart th procedure. Though in a few cases, just after a patient coded, I have required the aid of several ICU nurses for a brief while until they were stabilized. Usually patients that require this type of care are unable to care for themselves, and in many instances they need help to breathe and help sustain their hemodynamic status through the use of blood pressure supporting medications or drips. In some cases, they need hemodialysis around the clock, which is commonly referred to as continuous renal replacement therapy, or CRRT. This requires the care of a specially trained nurse in dialysis care and is a one-to-one -one patient, which means that this nurse only has to care for one patient. Working in the ICU can be a rewarding experience, mainly because there is a level of autonomy not usually enjoyed by most nurses. A lot of the medications are ordered with ranges provided so the nurse can adjust these medications to keep the patient's status stable. In most cases, the typical nurse has a single dose or very strict dosing that they can administer to the patient. We also have little more latitude in holding medications due to the patient's status, mainly because there simply is not enough time to call for additional orders or that the medical doctor has a higher level of trust and confidence that the nurse has the skill and knowledge to make some of these decisions without constant supervision. You also tend to develop close relationships with not only the patient but the family as well. This is due to the fact that you have fewer patients to care for and have more time to devote to them. You also spend more time updating them on their loved one's conditions on the phone. So even though many of the patients don't communi can't communicate directly to you, you still have to have good communication skills. Some nurses say they like being an ICU nurse because they don't have to talk to their patients. Well, this is nonsense because you in many cases spend just as much time talking to their family members, either in person or on the phone. ICU nursing usually appeals to those that are highly goal-oriented or those who enjoy tinkering. With many critical care medications, you can fine-tune a patient's status just like you would fine-tune a guitar or piano. By making small adjustments in their medications, you can alter their vital signs and breathing, or you can affect the chemical imbalances of their circulating blood. Some patients are in continuous insulin drip, so you can alter, effectively altering their blood chemistry in regards to the amount of circulating glucose that is present. In the case of CRT, you are altering not only the volume of circulating bloody flu body fluids, you're also maintaining adjustments to their electrolytes as well. It is very rewarding to admit to a new patient who is struggling and is in a very unstable condition, and by the end of your shift, you have in part stabilized them. You also have a strong constitution because you will inevitably have patients die. It is just the nature of the job. Some people are just too sick to save, or it is their time. It is our job to help these individuals to die with dignity and to help the family get through these tough times. We also make arrangements for the transfer of the deceased patient to the funeral home. In some cases, when the patient suffers a neurovascular attack and becomes clinically brain dead, the rest of their body may still be healthy and the organs are viable. In these cases, the family may opt for their loved one's bodies to be donated for organ procurement. As ICU nurses, we assist the organ donor staff in preparing the uh, patient for organ harvesting. The death of one unfortunate person can save multiple lives. It is a very laborious task and in many cases requires two to three days to make arrangements and stabilize the patient. Another benefit that most nurses don't think about is that due to the reliance on other highly skilled nursing assistances, assistance often brings about closer relationships than would be typical on floors with less critical patients. In many cases, you rely on team nursing to bathe and clean up your patients. Since the patients are in critical condition or are heavily sedated, they lose control of their bowels, so they require frequent cleaning, and because they are mobile, they also require frequent turning to prevent the air development of sores. These activities often require assistance of a second staff member. 
ICU nursing is primary in nature, which means that we have no CNA for assistance so that other staff member is another ICU nurse. Ergo, more time is spent working and helping your colleagues. The vast majority of the staff I work with over the 12 odd years were stellar and were all hardworking. However, only a few stick out as being unique enough to warrant a section in my memoirs. Like I said, this has nothing to do with their lack of merit. It is simply a matter of available space. Over the course of my career, I have worked with hundreds, if not thousands, of different individuals. So you can see my conundrum. I simply can't discuss everyone. So if you don't find your story in my memoirs, I am sorry. The first nurse I want to talk about is a bit of a world traveler and in her own right. She was fortunate enough to start her career right out of college as a nurse, which in Nevada is a highly paid, paying position. She is just now closing in on her 30-year age mark and finally put her suitcase in the closet for a while to test the marriage waters. She has circumnavigated the globe and has visited and explored over 60 different countries, not to mention an untold number of island chains. While I don't care for her shotgun and rapid fire style of travel, I do envy her the places that she has seen. I am close to her twice her age and have yet to break the 10 country mark. I guess if I had not gotten married and divorced twice and had started off my career as a nurse, maybe I would have been able to be more international travel. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you can't go back and do it all over again. Her early career choice has overcome with a heavy price tag. She has not even reached the 10-year mark in nursing, and she's already getting burnt out. She ended up resigning a few months before I did. I wish her the best in her career and her new marriage. <clears throat> the second nurse I want to discuss is the one I have developed a truly unique relationship with. This nurse is another young lady who is also close to ending on her 30-year-old mark. She also just quit from my hospital with the same malady and burnout. She's a truly free spirit and does not have a spiteful bone in her young body. In an idle chat with her, I quite soon, some time ago, found out that she worked as a model to put herself through nursing school. So as you can most likely guess, she became my model. I do shoots on an average of two to three times a year with her. With her. She also has over 10 other photographers who, work, who she works with. I have been doing cosplay glamour and news with her for over five years now. She's a consummate professional, both in nursing as well as in modeling. She's simply a joy to work with. Even though I don't work with her in the medical environment anymore, I still do the odd photo shoot with her. As a matter of fact, I have four more shoots planned with her, after which I will close up my studio and shift to other photographic subject matter. I hope she keeps up her nursing career because she is a wonderfully caring individual. ICU nurses have been hit particularly hard by COVID-19 pandemic, so much so that I want to devote a chapter just to this crisis. That concludes this podcast, and I hope you found it an illuminating one.